0: Welcome back, everybody. When it comes to picking stocks, we're constantly researching, whether that's looking over analyst reports and ratings, or maybe even company presentations in 10Ks, or watching videos on YouTube, maybe even from this channel. And if we're really brave, getting stock tips from anonymous people on Twitter. And we do all this so that we can find the answers and be right, but here's the thing, when it comes to picking stocks, everyone's wrong. We're so focused on trying to find the right answers that we don't realize the key to picking stocks is to address the right questions. Now let me show you what I mean. Question number one, what's your investment time horizon? I just mentioned in a recent video that I didn't have Texas Roadhouse as a buy because I'm worried about their business outlook and the economy. But if you look at it now, it's already jumped over 10% in less than a couple weeks. So was I wrong? Well, the answer is it depends and this is why understanding your investment time horizon is so critical. If you're only planning to hold a stock for a month or two and get a quick gain, then yeah, I would say that I was absolutely wrong about Texas Roadhouse on that timeline. But if you're planning to hold for years, then we just don't know yet and only time's going to tell. Because if you're investing in the fundamentals of a company and not just trading technical signals, you have to realize that a few weeks or a month or even a year of returns likely isn't going to tell you the whole story. Now, let me give you an obvious example that we've already talked about. Now, if you remember a while back, we walked through this example of Meta, and I want to go through it again, because Meta has been one of the most popular and profitable companies to ever exist. So let's say you bought it about five years ago at around $166 a share. You look at it now and you say, hey, it's at $336 a share and I've made over 100% return. Now, that's pretty good. But what you don't realize is that during that five years, your stock would have done this. It would have dropped to $153 a year and a half after you bought it. So you would have been negative on your investment a year and a half after buying. And then it rose to $380 a share about a year and a half later. So a total of three years after you bought. And now you're at over 2x your initial investment. And then about one year later, it dropped back down to $90. So after four years, you would have been down over 40% on your initial investment. And then obviously, it rose back up to $336 today. So about five years later, you're back to 100% total gain. And so if you look back and you ask yourself if your analysis for picking meta was right or wrong, what are you going to say? Was it wrong after a year and a half when your position went into the negative? Or what about when it was down over 40% after four years? Now, I would argue that most of us would probably feel like if we were down 40% after four years, we probably got it wrong. But that's just being honest. But then would you say that you got it right today because... It's up over 100% in total, and you manage to hold through the volatility. And this is why stock picking and stock analysis is hard because there's so much nuance and context that's needed to understand the information that we get from other people, but then even with our own evaluation of how it's going for ourselves. And that's why understanding the time horizon that you're investing for is so important because it will determine how you evaluate your own progress. If you're investing for the next 20 years, but you're stressed about your stock going in the negative in the first month that you're holding it, well, you're not aligning your expectations with your investment timeline. So let's listen to Peter Lynch's perspective on how to approach price versus our time horizon.
1: And your great mistakes is selling a good company and then it doubles, then it triples and it quadruples because you make a lot of mistakes. And so it's ones that go up tenfold, fold, I call them the 10 baggers. So some of my mistakes are just saying, oh my God, this stock is too high and I was wrong. And you had to figure out what inning am I in this baseball game? I sold Toys R Us, Way too early. It went up 20 fold after I sold. I did the same thing at Home Depot. Those are probably my two greatest mistakes I ever made. When should you sell? Well, you ought to find out why you bought a stock. If you're saying it's a sickle company and they're doing poorly and they're doing awful, you wait till things are getting better and they're doing terrific and then you sell it. But with a growth company, you have to say Walmart's case, 10 years after they went public, you could have bought the stock and made 500 times your money. You say you're still are only in 15% of the United States. And they could say, why can't they go to 17? Why can't they go to 19? Why can't they go to 23? So for the next four decades, they are around the country. So you have to say to yourself, in this stock, I have a 10-year story, a 20-year story. I'll be able to write that down and follow that. That's what
0: I do with the company. And that's your decision. That's how you sell it. So not only is it critical that we understand our time horizon, but also what we're actually trying to accomplish with our stocks, which brings me to question number two. What are your investment goals? And when we hear this question the first time, it might be confusing because we're like, well, we're trying to make money, right? Even make money has a bunch of different meanings. Are you 30 years away from retirement and want as much aggressive growth as possible? Are you in retirement and need to preserve the money that you've made but have a steady income that you can depend on? Or are you somewhere in the middle where you need growth but you have a lower risk tolerance than other people do? Because what looks like the right stock to each one of those people is very different. So trying to define stocks as right or wrong makes no sense without understanding what our actual goals are. And let me give you an example of what I mean. When I evaluated Coca-Cola, I said this. So I don't currently own Coca-Cola. And even though I love their product and their stock's consistency, it just doesn't fit my dividend growth requirements of my personal strategy. But investors who are looking for dividend stability over growth and want a defensive stock that's going to be around for a while and continues to increase its dividend each year, Coca-Cola is obviously one that will almost certainly do that. It's an amazing brand that, in my opinion, is not going anywhere, and 60 years of paying and increasing a dividend is an extremely strong track record. And now, if you watch this channel, you've probably already seen my personal investment goal, but here it is again. I want to beat the S&P 500 in total return while creating a growing passive income stream for my family. And so because my personal investment goal includes beating the S&P 500, there's some stocks that just won't be a good fit for me. Because even though I like Coca-Cola as a company, it has lagged the S&P 500 for the past 5, 10, and 30 years. So someone that's looking for a wide moat company that provides steady dividend income, Coca-Cola is definitely going to be a right choice for that type of portfolio but it doesn't fit my portfolio goal so for me right now it's the wrong choice but it just goes to show that when picking stocks understanding what we actually want to accomplish is a huge part of that you can actually target specific stocks that are more likely to help you meet your goal which brings me to the third and final question we need to ask ourselves question number three what is your investment strategy Knowing our timeline to invest and what we want to accomplish are the first two steps. The third step is understanding how we want to get there. I showed you my investment goal already, which is to beat the S&P 500 and build a passive dividend income stream. But here's my portfolio strategy of how I plan to get there. I want to attach myself to companies with wide moats that are generating increasing cash flow and rewarding shareholders with dividend growth that outpaces inflation. And you might be wondering, what is the purpose of doing this? Well, The main thing is that you want your portfolio strategy to align with your personal beliefs, risk tolerance, and obviously your investment goal. Now, my goal is to beat the S&P 500 and build an income stream. So in terms of how I do that, my main focus is dividend growth, which is why my strategy includes companies that pay a dividend and have a growth rate that outpaces inflation. I added the extra criteria of wide moats and increasing cash flow because those are criteria that I think help differentiate okay companies from great companies. And that's just based on books that I've read or things that I've experienced. And it's not the right way or the only way. It's just the way that I'm most comfortable with. So how does this information help? Well, obviously it helps me identify stocks that I might be interested in, but just as importantly, it helps me know what stocks probably aren't a good fit that I can choose to ignore. Now, I already talked about how Coca-Cola wasn't a fit for my strategy because it lagged the S&P 500 and this had relatively average dividend growth. But this has been true of others that I evaluated recently as well, because I thought Crocs was an interesting stock from a value and growth perspective, but I had questions about its moat and it doesn't currently pay a dividend. So I said it probably wasn't for me. And Texas Roadhouse was another one that I thought was a good company that's performed really well. But I have questions about their business outlook and the overall moat. So again, it wasn't a fit for me. And when I evaluated Verizon, it lagged the S&P 500 consistently for the last 30 years and had pretty poor dividend growth. So again, it wasn't a fit for me. But then I evaluated Hershey's and they had a strong core business, wide moat, strong dividend history with close to double digit dividend growth. So for me, that actually fit my strategy pretty well. And I added it to my portfolio. So obviously, picking stocks is never just a simple formula. It's way more art than it is science. But just choosing specific criteria that make sense to you can really help narrow down the universe of stocks that you need to evaluate or even really consider. And that alone can help a lot because stocks aren't necessarily good or bad. You can have a good stock that's just not a fit for what your strategy is, and that's okay. And just because we pass on a stock and then it does well, doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bad decision, because having a strategy means you can narrow your focus and not try to be an expert on everything. And here's a great clip of Charlie Munger explaining a similar perspective.
2: The whole trick of the game is to have have a few times when you know that something is better than average and invest only where you have that extra knowledge. And then if you get just a few opportunities, that's enough. And what the hell do you care you own three securities and JPMorgan Chase owns 100? You know,
1: it's
0: what's wrong with owning a few securities? And I know this is an area where I can personally get better as an investor because I tend to evaluate a lot of different stocks and I just naturally feel like my opinion on all of them needs to be right. But it definitely doesn't. Because the beauty of investing is that doing nothing at all is actually one of the options. And Warren Buffett explains this concept beautifully. Ted Williams wrote a book called The Science of Hitting. And
2: in The Science of Hitting, he's got a diagram, shows him at the plate, and he's got the strike zone divided into 77 squares, each the size of a baseball. And he says, if I only swing at pitches in my sweet zone, which he shows there, and he has what his batting average would be, which is 400. If he had to swing at low outside pitches, but still in the the strike zone, his average would be 230. He said the most important thing in hitting is waiting for the right pitch. Now, he was at a disadvantage because if the count was 0 and 2 or 1 and 2 or so on, even if that ball was down where he was only going to bat 230, he had to swing at it. In investing, there's no called strikes. People can throw Microsoft at me and, you know, you, you name it, any, any stock, General Motors, uh, and I don't have to swing. And nobody's going to call me out on called strikes. I only get a strike called if I swing at a pitch and miss. So I can wait there and look at. Thousands of companies, day after day, and only when I see something I understand and when I like the price at which it's selling, then if I swing, if I if I hit it fine, if I miss it, 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 it it's 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 a strike. But it's an enormously advantageous game, and it's a terrible mistake to think you
0: have to have an opinion on everything. It's normal nowadays to think we have to have an opinion on everything. And if we have an opinion, then we need to be right about every stock that we research. And this takes us back to the main point. If you spend any time researching and picking stocks and share this information with anyone or like me, create videos for the internet, there's gonna be an unending number of people who are gonna tell you that you're wrong. Because to them, you are. They love the stock and can't believe that you didn't want to buy it, or they hate the stock and can't believe that you love it. And that's why I say that everyone's wrong about picking stocks, because regardless of what their opinion is, there's going to be someone out there who thinks they're wrong. It's not about their analysis at all. It's about our own investment timeline, our investment goals and our preferred strategy to get there. But it's tough because we live in an era where everybody online has an opinion on everything, and it can start to eat away at our confidence in what we're doing. And for some people, it turns them off completely to investing or picking stocks altogether. But it shouldn't. Instead of constantly looking for others to tell us the right answers about a stock, let's make sure that we've addressed the right questions that matter to us. And then having those defined allows us to have a good understanding of what we bought and why. And then each new piece of information that you get or opinion that you hear just helps provide an additional perspective that you can choose to take value from or completely ignore. Because ultimately, picking stocks isn't about finding the right ones. It's about finding ones that you understand, that you believe in, and that fit your investment goals, strategy, and time horizon. So there's no right stock. There's only the ones that are right for you. And that's not something anyone else can tell you anyway. Hope you guys have a great day out there. Financial independence is true freedom. So keep building and stacking wins. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.